Wall Street is full of corruption and it is baked in to every aspect of our society. MMT is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding at the macro level. In the 1900s, Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This was written over a hundred years ago. This is The Rogue Scholar with Steve Grumbine. We're flying solo today on the Rogue Scholar, going rogue, as we say. Folks, my focus has been on collective solutions, collective solutions that impact all of us, right? I don't want to rely on healthcare by lottery. I don't want to feel like I got to go to Vegas and hit the craps just right to be able to provide for my family. I don't want to hope that I got the right intel on a bull market to be able to know that I've invested my money in the correct fashion. I don't want to hope to God I'm on the right side of a dump and pump on crypto so that I can afford to pay my bills. I don't want to worry about whether or not these freaking fraudulent, corrupt, oligarch-driven systems that dangle a carrot in front of the unwitting and promise riches beyond compare promises a future that all of us should want only to leave 90% floundering, screwed up, desperate, hurt. I see so many friends in this movement believing that by investing, that they are somehow or another now doing the right thing. But I want you to understand the split mindedness of trying to be an investor while simultaneously trying to be an activist. You know, you've got to hope and pray that these companies you've invested in are maximizing profit. Maximizing profit. Because that's the only way your stock is going to go up. And yet, at the same time, this so-called leftist movement, leftist theory, leftist understandings of the way surplus value is generated and understanding where the profit from these stocks come from, it, it leaves you with a real hypocritical, real ironic situation because on one hand you are praying and gambling and hoping to god that company a b or c is going to turn a profit now how do they turn a profit do they turn a profit by paying their employees what their value is do they turn a profit by ensuring environmental protections are taken care of do they turn a profit by ensuring uh, that the uh, executive pay is not 500% more than the rank and file workers. Wall Street is full of corruption, nonstop corruption, and it is baked in to every aspect of our society. It's literally baked into every aspect of our society. 
And so when you look at things like crypto, crypto is Silicon Valley, Wall Street all the way. Folks, it's Wall Street. You know, Occupy Wall Street. What is the difference between a New York broker and a Silicon Valley tech oligarch, a crypto fascist, trying to create new markets, folks, markets, 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 market-based solutions. Think about what I'm saying here. The split-mindedness that we have to have to be investors is a real, real conflict of interest if you're actually meaning to change the system. And so much of what we deal with today is based in the precarity of the working class, the precarity of living in a pandemic where our government has not made payments to keep us healthy and whole, where real wages have not kept up with the real costs. We're seeing inflation right now and inflation is not inflation because somehow or another prices rose because of, you know, it cost of doing business. This is price gouging. So while your and my wages have stayed stagnant or low, the wealthy have gotten insanely wealthy over this period of time. Once again, this is all investor-grade bullshit. I don't care if you're investing in the New York Stock Exchange or whether you're investing in crypto. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Get it through your head. It's the same effing thing. You know, the private sector has one thing and one thing only on its mind, maximizing profit. Maximizing profit. And you see how quickly these folks that are investor grade. I, I have so many pejorative words I want to use. It's not even funny, but just let's just say our investor grade friends. Once you start hitting and talking about neoliberalism, once you start hitting and talking about the impact of this investor grade mindset. They get very upset. They get very, very upset. Why is that? Because they inherently know that all their fist in the air and the land of hypocrisy bullshit is nothing but hypocritical bullshit. All this rolling the dice to see who wins and who loses is the same exact thing that we have supposedly been fighting against since Bernie Sanders says, we're going to put a Wall Street speculation tax. Why was he talking about putting a Wall Street speculation tax out there? It wasn't to hurt the little guys. It was to curb this investor-grade mindset. This entire economy is becoming more and more and more financialized.
I mean, for crying out loud, these NFTs, you got Johnny Depp now creating NFTs to try and speculate and create more money in the NFT market. This is not progressivism. This is not any kind of leftist critique. This is not labor. This is not power to the people. This is yet again another dump and pump, pump and dump scheme that you see throughout the stock market. So how do you build a society and an economy that appreciates that real wages have not improved, but costs are going up exponentially, while simultaneously trying to remind people that just because you get yours and you go out there and you invest and you hit it and you get lucky, doesn't mean that's a solution for society. Everybody, by definition, is not going to win. So that is not a security blanket at all, folks. That is not a safety net in any way, shape, or form. <clears throat> I mean, look, look right now. The NFL has gotten heavily involved in betting all of a sudden. All of a sudden now, the NFL has embraced betting. You got Steve Mariucci up there on a chalkboard doing something about reminding you, go in with a plan. Don't spend more than you have and leave when you've spent what you achieved, you know, you thought to spend. Why is that? Because they understand that gambling is fucking addictive. People are desperate and they will throw their entire lives away to try and earn a nickel, to try and win. Because life fucking blows right now. And so many people are looking at quick fixes, get rich quick schemes, anything other than collective organizing. But if you sit there and you don't understand, you don't understand that the average person if they lose their small little nest egg, they have nothing, not a fucking thing. This is not the solution for how to move forward as a leftist or a progressive. Now, fine, we are in a monetary economy. We are living in a capitalist society. We're living in a neoliberal world. And if all you can do to survive is neoliberal things, just keep in mind that this is not the right way, even if you have to do what you have to do to survive. Don't act like it's a good thing. Don't start selling the Silicon oligarchs bullshit just because you and a bunch of friends sat there and had some fun online mining Bitcoin or crypto, anything. This is not the solution for collective well-being. More people lose in the stock market than win. And if you weren't born into a family where you were taught how to do this stuff, there's a million people out there willing to try and teach you their method. But these stocks are largely manipulated. The Bitcoin, the crypto is severely manipulated by the heavy holders. 
These guys pump up the prices. Look what happened to Dogecoin. Look what happens every three to four months with Bitcoin every time they do the pump and dump. Every time. They extract U.S. dollars out of the economy because, folks, even though you love your crypto, you're getting U.S. dollars out of this. Now, fine, if you want to create an investor's union and everybody shares in the wins and losses, hey, man, that sounds like a cooperative event to me. I'm all for it. Up to a point until you realize where that profit is coming from. It's coming from someone else losing. Someone else is losing while you're gaining. That is not a leftist ideal. That is a right-wing fascist fuckface idea. I mean, seriously. So neoliberalism is about privatization. It's about putting the onus on you to make it in this world. You got to know all the rules. You got to know all the navigations. You've got to figure out how to negotiate everything for yourself. And that precarity is one person, one person. That is a libertarian minded belief system that has no place in leftist spaces. We are in a position right now where we are getting a boot put on our head. The vast majority of us don't even have $400 in the bank to be able to survive any kind of crisis whatsoever. Most people are really, really close to losing everything they have. But you got these folks out there humping and dumping, pump and dump of the fucking crypto variety. This is not. I repeat, this is not leftist thinking. I got mine, go fuck yourself. That is not collectivist thinking at all. It's neoliberal capitalist bullshit. And it is not helping advance a movement when everybody is running around, chasing around, trying to get theirs. That's exactly how we lose. It's exactly how we lose. I think, you know, when you don't know that so many are suffering, it's easy to forget, like the rich do. The rich have no idea what's happening below their strata. They have no idea because they've got a little blocker that doesn't allow them to see the pain and suffering below them. And heaven help us when people that do know suffering cash out and cash in and start forgetting. Many people don't even have a family. Many people don't have any kind of family wealth. They don't have any kind of residual wealth. They have no buffer whatsoever between themselves and destitution. But as long as you got yours, you're good, right? You're, you're, you're good, right? You got yours, right? See, a few years ago, about 10 years ago, actually, I was a libertarian. 
I rooted for Ron Paul. I wanted to end the Fed. I uh, had a million Rothschild stories on the tip of my tongue. Had a lot of stupid shit that came out of my mouth. A lot of stupid shit. A lot of selfishness. Because that's what libertarian is. It's all about me, myself, and I. What do I get out of this? I don't care about what you all did. It's, it's about my research. It's about me. Me, 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 me. And there's a lot of self-seekers out there that find unity in self-seeking. The Ayn Rand Society is alive and well. And you flash forward, and this was my biggest fear in 2016 and yet again in 2020. It wasn't just Donald Trump shit, whatever. It was the rise of people who have given up on the idea that we can build a better government, that we can build a better society and just went ahead and threw in, cashed in and joined up with the investor grade bullshit. That we would be leaving our poor, leaving our elderly, leaving the people with special needs in the dust, leaving people that were in very, very bad shape behind because it's dog eat dog, yo. I got to get mine. I got to get mine, yo. I'm going to mine me some shit coin, yo. Because I got to get mine, right? Now, if you can look in the mirror and say that's cool, we probably ain't playing on the same team, right? We're probably not even fighting for the same causes. We probably don't have a whole lot in common. I left that world for a reason. We're interconnected. We're all interconnected, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on your perspective. There is no way of separating your rise and someone else's fall. If we're not fighting for no man left behind, no woman left behind, an injury to one is an injury to all, union-mindedness. If we're not doing that, we're never going to achieve that because the powers that be don't want us to succeed. And by us, I mean the big us, not the little you. We have been inundated with failure. When Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama and the rest of the freaking corporate elites shut down the Sanders presidency, a chance at the Sanders presidency in 2016. A lot changed in that moment. You got to see who was willing to fall back and support Hillary. You got to see who took a principled stand and was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to vote third party. I'm going to do something other than support the Clinton machine, the Clinton foundation, all the things the Clintons did. But instead, it became the Trump show, which poured gasoline on the libertarian, anti-establishment mindset. And you could be anti-establishment without becoming a fascist pig. You don't have to suckle in and, and, and think that the Democrats are such great things and suddenly become a right-winger, suddenly become a fascist, suddenly become 
an embracer of all things neoliberal. You don't have to do that. There is another way, and it doesn't have to be just the Democrats. It doesn't have to be part of the electoral process even. I would say that the, the, the smallest amount of democracy has to do with hitting that button to vote. I would say nine-tenths of democracy is being able to speak out, being able to organize, being able to educate one another, working together to create a better society, to create a parallel institution that allows us to counter a captured government. But so many have thrown their hands up in the air and just said, okay, screw it. I'm a libertarian now. I'm going off and doing my own thing. I'm going to get mine. It's heartbreaking, especially when you've left that space, when you're not part of that space. When you understand what it's like to lay in bed all night long, terrified that you're going to lose everything, that your family's going to leave you because that's what happens typically when people hit financial ruin. Families dissolve. It's the number one reason for divorce in America is financial stress. We have become so hyper individualistic. The, the, the self is the, the highest order of things. I want autonomy in all things. I don't want collective solutions. I, I don't want to have to do anything that society mandates or dictates. I don't want to be a part of the bigger whole because it's about what I think and what I feel and how I want to do it. Selfishness personified. You could see that in the rise of people like Joe Rogan. I'm not here to give a dissertation on Joe Rogan one way or the other. I'm here to say, though, that he is the embodiment of I did my own research, of I'm my own person. I'm only going to do what I want to do. You can't make me. And I get it. No one likes authority, right? No one likes authority. Least of all, corrupt government with authority. But we don't have to forsake fighting for the collective and throwing in the towel and becoming part of the problem. You know, in the most recent election, when Biden was shoved in, I mean, think about this. Kamala Harris as vice president, she didn't get a single delegate during her run for president, not one. Joe Biden had to be woken up had to be given his freaking oatmeal. The guy is half a brain shy of a full brain. I mean, he, the guy is walking dead. He's a zombie. He's a corpse. And so as you leave the hyper-individualistic reactionary Trump era and you go into the ridiculously bad neoliberal era, you had to know that Biden would be like pouring steroids on the libertarian movement. 
nothing worse than a feckless, do-nothing, right-wing, supposed champion of the people on the Democratic Party. It literally is the elixir that creates disaffected people, people who have given up, people who stop caring, people who stop investigating real solutions. Because after all, it's fixed, it's rigged, there's nothing to fight for. And that's what Biden's done. And now, as if that's not bad enough, Biden is purposely pushing back on a court ruling to double down on the draconian bankruptcy law that fucker pushed to make getting rid of student debt impossible. Biden has papers on his desk for an executive order that he could get rid of all student debt with a pen stroke. But instead, Biden's doubling down, trying to make it even harder for you and me to dislodge $2 trillion of government-backed student debt. $2 trillion. And I hear these old farts out there that said, oh, when I went to school, it was only $2,000. But they don't say that. Oh, it was free. It was barely. No, what they say is, well, I paid my student debt. How dare you think you should pay yours because we're all individuals here. You should suffer too. Fucking self-centered bastards. Selfish, disgusting people. But this is what it's devolved into. This is what society has devolved into. Think about this for a minute. We've had DeVarian Baldwin come through here to show you that the universities are basically a for-profit front in many ways, that they filter all these for-profit entities, all these neoliberal entities in through the university, and they box out the people of the community and make them the bad guys while they simultaneously suck all of the freaking money out of the community, all of the vibrancy out of the community. This is happening around the country and it's all part of this neoliberal push for privatization. And if we don't fight that every step along the way, we end up getting co-opted by it. We become part of it. How do we be, how do we, Become part of it. And by the way, I'm going to put up this thing. Thank you very much, uh, Red Picarian, for uh, putting this up there. I just want to make the point. If we don't take a step back and realize that crypto is nothing more than a progressive give-up strategy and becoming libertarian, that's not to say that there isn't good things with blockchain. That's not to say that there isn't good things that we can do collectively. But when it becomes all about the individual, we fail, we lose, we set back a generation. Think about what we feel about all those folks that got to go see the Grateful Dead back when they were taking acid on the buses and Joni Mitchell and Woodstock and all the rest of it. 
and how they became neoliberals. They became investors. They became part of the establishment. They didn't stay counterculture. They didn't stay fighting the man. They didn't turn away from this. They embraced it and they put, put it on steroids. All your heroes that were sitting there playing an acoustic guitar with a bandana and, you know, really cool bottle cap glasses and all, they became investor grade bullshit, man. They got rid of their tie dye, instead went ahead and got some Crocs and a friggin' Izod shirt. We have to be aware of what neoliberalism does to us. And we have to be aware of the power of media and making us think this is okay. I use this example all the time because it's a very powerful example. When Roseanne came back onto the air, the first go around before she got fired for being a bigot. But when she came back on, when they rebooted Roseanne, the very first episode, her and her sister were fighting about the fact that her sister voted for Jill Stein. And that's why we got Trump, right? And her wisdom, Roseanne's wisdom to her sister was, you know, the only problem with socialism is eventually you run out of other people's money. Now, you may not think that's a big deal. It's just a sitcom, no big deal, right? 11 million plus watch that. Huge numbers of people watched as Roseanne passively mocked the idea of universal medical care. Forget insurance. Universal health care. Mocked it right there and literally pasted it with the eventually you run out of other people's money. Now, if you're an MMTer, and I hope most of the people that follow me understand MMT enough to understand where I'm coming from here, you know that federal tax money never gets redistributed. It's never reused. It's always deleted upon receipt. So you know Roseanne was full of shit. But that doesn't matter because in a moment where people are just like watching the sitcom, just taking it in, in that moment, they had their red scare, their bad socialism moment. And it was a punchline. So everybody's like, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, you know, that is true. You do eventually run out of other people's money, don't you? So this all plays in. You don't even realize it. So when a guy like Joe Rogan goes out there in front of huge audience without a balance, without the fairness doctrine in place, without having a counter argument presented, when he goes out there and mocks certain things, but embraces others without any kind of pushback, a la Fox News, a la CNN, a la MSNBC, but because it's woke Joe, not sleepy Joe, but woke Joe, right? Everybody twists and turns and says, ah, maybe it's not so bad to listen to the selfish bullshit of a libertarian once again. Now, 
you listen to whatever you want. I, I'm not here to judge you. you. Do whatever you want. I'm not here to censor either. But I am here to show you exactly how neoliberal selfish bullshit becomes the way. Now, I was born in 1969, and I'm watching my mother in her later years. And many of you all have taken care of elderly parents. And you know, in order to get the help you need, it costs a lot of money. And if you don't have a lot of money, that means that you're stuck trying to take care of them yourself, which impacts your ability to earn a living, to be able to take care of your family, to put a roof over your head. Imagine a society that is becoming more and more and more about the individual. Selfishness absolutely on steroids. Now imagine as you get older and you have dementia or you have Parkinson's disease or you have arthritis and you can't get around, whatever. You sure as hell better hope you got somebody that loves you that's going to take care of you because I can tell you right now, as society becomes more libertarian, as society becomes more selfish and self-seeking, you're going to be fucked. Imagine all those people that die alone. That's what we're building here. We're not building a collective well-being. We're creating, sadly, a culture of selfishness, a culture of I did my research. I don't have to care what anybody else thinks. You know, there's some disgusting people out there saying, well, it was irresponsible for you to get COVID because the reason you got COVID is because you don't take good care of your health. You're a bad person. You deserve to die. I'm not joking. I swear to Christ on a half shell. This is what these fuck sticks are saying. Well, if you have a compromised immune system, maybe you should lock yourself in your bedroom and never come out so the rest of us can live our lives and be selfish. I'm not here to say one way or the other how it should be. I'm trying to show you the pattern of selfishness, the pattern of not caring, the pattern of divorcing ourselves from our interconnections with each other and becoming our own kings and gods. The ultimate authority of truth is our own self. Whatever we believe is the truth. It doesn't matter if it's bullshit. It doesn't matter if it's horseshit. You believe it, it's must be, must be equally true. Doesn't have to be backed up. Doesn't have to be nothing. Just, eh, whatever, man. Now, here's the problem. I am so tired of our government lying to us. It's not funny. Joe Biden, I am so tired of feckless Democrats being foisted on us as there's no alternative. I am so tired of people making excuses for the fecklessness of the establishment. But to be feckless, you've got to believe that they intended to help you. They just couldn't do it. They 
for whatever reason, they were just not strong enough. They weren't powerful enough. They weren't whatever enough to, to do it. But that's not true, is it? I believe it's a bunch of theater. I believe that the people pulling the strings above have their patsies in there and they're out there doing a dance. They're minstrels. They're modern day minstrels just singing the song to the people. They're bad. They're bad. They're bad. They're bad. Okay, keep them divided and we'll do this, right? The problem here is not one of unity, but one of disinformation. You know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a lawyer. I'm nothing. I'm just a dude. I'm an educated dude and I take a lot of time to try and learn things, but I'm just a dude. And all I see is a movement right now that instead of embracing collective action, instead of embracing truth, is chasing after Bitcoins, chasing after self-seeking, chasing after neoliberal things without even realizing they're helping advance neoliberalism. I mean, it's the double dumb, it's the, it's the double dumb stuff, right? It's the Dunning-Kruger effect. People are unconsciously unconscious, unconsciously ignorant, and accidentally becoming the accidental neoliberal. The distractions, the, the alt-media food fights, We can't even envision a national health care system because we can't even get past Medicare for all, which is just single payer insurance, folks. I mean, we let me let me just say this for the record. We are facing an existential climate crisis that could not require collective action more than that does. And it's got a ticker on it. It doesn't have like a forever. It's not like some thing that just goes on in perpetuity. There, there's, there's a, there's a done and done moment. <clears throat> there's an event horizon. And while we're out there chasing shit coins, busy defending free speech for misinformation, not realizing that the only thing the First Amendment protects us from is the government stopping us from speaking not private entities remember folks these are private entities private enterprise they have their platforms they control the rules you want to change that make it nationalized make the government take it over make it public and then all of a sudden you can stop the censorship because the government cannot impose its will because the first amendment should stand right there, there at least you have a constitutional argument i think it would be really awesome if we did go back in time look at what lenin did look at what lenin wrote 
look at what other revolutionaries who have led revolutionary movements, not just violent ones, but other ones that were mental revolutions, social revolutions, technical revolutions. Read, learn, understand how they did things. Understand the pitfalls that they went through. Now, you will not be able to forklift the history into the future. It's one of my biggest problems I have with many of my leftist friends is not understanding that the material conditions under Lenin, Marx, and Engels is different than the material conditions in this electronic world that we're in now. I mean, yeah, there are country borders, but we are living in a total global society in terms of the internet. Yes, it is balkanized. Yes. It is divided by country code. Yes, there are ways of filtering and blocking that shouldn't be there. But we are living in a much more global society today than at any time in history. And yet, if you read Lenin and you realize Capitalism and its final, it was imperialism, the final stage of capitalism. And you listen to what Lenin says, you could read the final chapter of that book and realize that even then in the 1900s, Lenin was predicting global capital, global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. And I swear on my life, if you read it, this was written over a hundred years ago, folks. You will read it as if you're reading a newspaper today. It's as if it's happening right here before our eyes. I got to tell you, we've got some real serious challenges in organizing. Number one, they've made unionizing and they've made strikes sometimes illegal. They've, they've got things out there where they can literally force you to go back to work through courts based on some emergency that they can drum up. They have made it so that the algorithms of our communication platforms do not allow us to communicate to our entire audiences. And we don't have the largest YouTube channel, but 13,000 subs. You would think that we would have more than 40 people at any given time watching with 13,000 subs. There's people with 127,000 subs that get maybe 300 people watching live. 127,000 status quo, for example, which I'm frequently on on Tuesdays. Please check out Jordan. Jordan does the freaking phenomenal work. But if you look at this stuff and you think about it, they have blocked us from communicating on Facebook. I mean, we used to have 30 million people, 30 million come through real progressives a month, a month, 30 million people pass through the doors of real progressives every freaking month before the algorithms destroyed us. 30 million. I wonder why they had a problem with us spewing our, our ideological perspectives to 30 million people a month. I wonder why that might bother them, huh? But then flip over to YouTube. There was a time where you could put your, your channel out there and you get subs instantly. YouTube kept us for a full year, a 
full year, they kept us at 12,890. 12,890 subscribers. It would go down to 12,874 and it would go as high as 12,899. And it would stay in that range for a full year. Mike Figueroa, when he had me on, on the Humanist Report, bumped up our subs big time. When I was on Jimmy Dore, my subs bumped up big time. Since I've been working with Jordan, subs have started bumping up again as well. But they block us here. If you use Google, they're taking Palestinians and they're the activists and they're closing down their entire channels. Slack doing the same thing. All these different platforms shut you right down. We're facing huge odds. Huge odds. And, you know, for those people that are anarchists out there, let me just say this. I have Michael Alberts on. Michael Albert is one of the leading minds, one of the most brilliant men I've ever spoken to in my life as it comes to anarchy and understanding real, honest-to-God, classless, class-based, non-class-based systems. Real, honest-to-God, workplace autonomy, et cetera. He's got a book out called No Bosses. Check it out. But even Michael Albert said point blank with this existential crisis that we are facing with the climate right now, anarchy wouldn't work. We absolutely must have collective solutions now. So if we need collective solutions, we're busy chasing Bitcoins and the algorithms are blocking us from communicating with each other and a pandemic is keeping us in our homes and we're not able to network and we're not able to mobilize. We're in a huge hole here, folks. And I say this to you out of love. Don't let your cynicism of the shitty Democrats and the shitty person of Joe Biden, don't let them be the representative of what you consider collective action. They are not your friend. Trump is not your friend. And sadly, I don't believe Joe Rogan is your friend either. I don't believe any of these people are your friend. We gotta stop deifying these people and we gotta start working together. And I just laid out all the challenges and there's more. I didn't even, I didn't even scratch the surface. We've got to find a way to become force multipliers, each one of us, each one teach one. And I love that. We need to preach one on one, each one teach one, reach one, each one reach one. We've got to take it upon ourselves to be that snowflake. Yeah, using snowflake, but we've got to be the snowflake that touches all the other snowflakes, all those little spots. We got to be able to touch each other. We got to find a way to pull together. Even when we disagree, there's got to be a way. I don't know what that is, folks. I'm not here. I'm not somebody that likes to wave the white flag and say, problem, problem, no solution, problem, problem, no solution. Folks, the solution is we've got to work on it. We've got to understand what we're up against. And we need each person to understand it and not get so cynical that we become nihilists become all about the solution space. So for me, as the rogue scholar going rogue, 
I'm here to tell you guys, don't forget. We're not rabid individualists. We're not libertarians just pulling for our own. Folks, we are leftists. We are progressives. We are trying to shift the power to reclaim the state for our own. It's a lot of work. It may even be impossible. But to quote Chris Hedges, I don't fight fascists because I'll win. I fight fascists because they're fascists. We've got to adopt that mindset too. We've got to adopt that mindset too. Because if we don't, we're, we will be lost. Time's ticking, my friends. Anyway, my name is Steve Grumbine. I am the Rogue Scholar. This is a show we do on Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. Sometimes I have guests. Sometimes I do a solo. But every Saturday morning at 8 a.m., I release a podcast called Macro and Cheese. It's with experts. And I promise you, my friends, it's really important to listen to. Please check out Macro, the letter N, Cheese, and find it on any of your podcast platforms. You can even find it on Spotify. Find it on SoundCloud. Find it on Apple, iTunes. It's on every platform possible. Go out there, check it out. There's 150 plus episodes. This week, we're going to be talking all about China. We'll be talking about China next week too. And then on the heels of that, we'll be talking about India. We're exploring systems, my friends. And with that, I am Steve Grumbine with the Rogue Scholar. I hope you guys check me out in the future. Have a great day. If you can become a donor, please check us out. We are a nonprofit. We don't actually make any money. We don't sell things. We, we are a nonprofit. We live and die by your donations. So if you can donate, please, our Patreon, our Network for Good. Go to our website. How can I get involved? And hit donate. Thank you all. Have a great day. I'm out of here. Rogue Scholar is a production of Real Progressives. If you would like to support our work, please visit patreon.com slash realprogressives.